You're listening to Beyond Numbers, a podcast by Zero for accountants and bookkeepers. In this series, you'll hear from leaders within some of the accounting industry's pace-setting firms who will share news, views and creative solutions so you can step away with some inspiration or new ideas to take back to your own business. Hello and welcome to Beyond Numbers. I'm Ash Gibson, your host for Season 1. In this episode, I spoke to two marketing superstars about how to stand out from the crowd and make a mark in the accounting industry. We had Jerry Williams, LinkedIn extraordinaire and founder of Smooth Accounting, along with the wonderful Tracy Smithers, Zero's head of brand, customer and partner marketing. As a marketer at Zero, Tracy has spent the past couple of years really getting to know the accounting industry. And with her experience as a customer-centric marketer, she has some really useful advice on how firms can set themselves apart. For those who don't know Jerry, she's built a huge social following over the past few years, turning her personal and professional brand into a thriving business. Stay tuned to learn how Jerry used marketing and video to grow. To kick us off, I want to hear about your career path. So, Jerry, tell us a bit about how you started Smooth Accounting and where you've got to with your business today. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I started accountancy straight out of university and um, started working for a local practice. And I was there for about 10 years. Um, I started as a trainee and I, you know, I worked all the way through, qualified as a chartered accountant and then became a director there. And um, when I had my second son... I kind of realized that I just wanted to do my own thing and um, I decided to leave and and set up my own practice. I didn't have any kind of dreams of having a big firm or having staff or anything like that. I literally just thought I'll do a few accounts from home (laughs) and um, and I'll look after the children. They were both really young. They were like two and nine months old. So I didn't have much time. And uh, I started what what was Jay Williams and Co. And we rebranded to Smooth Accounting a couple of years later. So that was six years ago. And um, yeah, it's been a very, very interesting journey. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on our podcast today. Um, so Tracy, I've been lucky enough to have worked with you over the past year or so and have seen firsthand how you approach marketing at Zero with, with human at heart. Now, it's it's really great to be able to chat to you today and get your perspective on marketing with a difference. Um, you've had 20 years of experience as an expert customer-centric marketer and 18 months getting to know the accounting industry. So tell us about your background and how you made your way here. Cool. Okay. So um, thanks for that great intro, Ash. Um, I started my career in advertising agencies, um, very much on the client services side. So um, lots of really understanding client needs and making sure that our agency could service that with creative and strategy and all sorts of things. So after about 15 years there, um, I then set up my own marketing uh, consultancy for a while to again fit around my children um, and to be able to service some smaller smaller clients really in the um, local area where I lived. And then we sort of moved to the other side of the world So 10 years in New Zealand, um, I worked for an electricity company as head of marketing there, then had a stint back at um, being client services general manager for DDB in Auckland. Um, And then finally, 
um, over to Westpac, which is one of the big banks there. So really heading up that whole customer-centric revolution and um, how we transform to marketing there. Um, Moved back to here when COVID struck so that I could be back with my family. And for me, it was really important. I found um, a new company to work for that I could align with on purpose and values. Um, So knowing Zero from um, New Zealand and knowing what they stood for and lots of people that work there, I thought, actually, top of my list, I need to try and get into Zero. Um, And also, you know, my whole family of small business owners, uh, my husband's third generation plumber and my brother, a third generation woodworm and renovating business. So I just know how important small businesses are for our whole community. So having that opportunity was just really important for me. Well, it's great to have you on the podcast as well. Now, let's talk a bit about um, your LinkedIn experience, Jerry. You've built a following of nearly 64,000, which is huge. Uh, LinkedIn was historically a bit of a stale platform. So tell us a bit about your approach and what you've done to cut through the noise there. LinkedIn in the early days for me was a kind of um, a bit accidental. So I I didn't have a link. I had a LinkedIn account for years, then I deleted it. So I didn't really have a LinkedIn account for the first few years of my business. So I've only really been using it for about three years. And I got into video marketing and started having videos made about five years ago. And they were really made for sort of Facebook and, um, you know, the website and things, um, because that's where the majority of my time was spent from a social media perspective. And then about three years ago, I thought, oh, I'll just upload one of the old videos to LinkedIn. I'll, I'll sort of create a new account and just see. And it and it kind of just really took off. And I was quite surprised at, at the reaction it got, the number of views it got. And I thought, oh, um, maybe I should put some more of the videos on. So I, I posted a few more of the videos and I kind of just stuck around ever since. So there was no real method in in what I was doing, but I just realized that there was an audience there and people seemed to like what I was posting. And then I started just putting on posts, not video um, posts, just normal kind of text um, about my day or, you know, funny things or maybe slightly controversial things. And, you know, my posts were going viral and it seemed that people wanted more of what I was saying and and doing. So I I just carried on and I've kind of been there ever since really. Nowadays, I, I'm still there. I still post most days on LinkedIn. Um, and it's always just, it's never planned. So nothing that I do on LinkedIn is, is you know, kind of scheduled ahead of time or thought through. I don't have a, a strategy with LinkedIn. I don't think, well, this week I'll post about this and this week I'll post about this. There's none of that. There's literally whatever pops in my head at that moment, I will post it on LinkedIn. Don't give it much thought. And that way it's just been really authentic and it's just, you know, it's a hundred percent me. So when it drives business or it drives inquiries, you know, people really get what they see. You know, they if they want, if they like what I post and they want to work with Smooth because of that, then that's exactly what they will get when they speak to me or we have a sales call. So it just seems to really work from that perspective because I'm not trying to be anything different to, to what I am I guess so yeah just being my authentic self. That's exactly uh, what you need to be doing right? Yeah so Tracy what would you suggest to people who sort of are struggling to find their own voice when they're thinking about approaching marketing like Jerry has with LinkedIn? Mm, I think absolutely Jerry. I think be you and do you 
Um, and I know it can be quite scary, especially putting yourself out there in front of everyone. Um, but maybe start with um, what is it that you like? What post do you see and do you comment on? Um, and how are other people reacting as well? So that you sort of build up your confidence by sort of gradually just having an opinion first on Facebook and LinkedIn and, and Twitter. Um, and then gradually getting to the point with, okay, these are the things that I really like and I really want to have an opinion on and, and be known for. And then just increase more and more of those types of posts and I think your natural tone will shine through then but it absolutely it's about being authentic you can't you can't make this stuff up and you can't be fake um, people see through that straight away so um, again for people out there that are a little bit more introverted and are a bit sort of daunted by by the fact of sort of putting themselves out there start small and um, sort of do things in, in your own group um, where you can share things and sort of get feedback from those that are going to be really supportive and kind um, and then go from there, really. And Jerry, you've, you've clearly developed a really distinct tone of voice and um, I know this comes really naturally to you. So how, how would you encourage other accountants to sort of establish their voice and, and um, sort of land their marketing the way that you do? So I think if you are unsure where to start, a good place to start is commenting on other people's posts. It doesn't feel as scary as kind of putting your own one out there that people might obviously not like or disagree with. It's a little bit easier just to like and comment and interact. So I'd say start there and just start doing it on a daily basis. Connect with people, like-minded people or people that might be ideal clients you know, connect, reach out. LinkedIn is a really supportive community. I've made some amazing friends on LinkedIn. You know, there's other benefits than just winning business. And I think my confidence has definitely built up over time on there. So I, I think that would happen with everyone. You know, you just need to kind of find your rhythm, but don't put too much pressure on yourself to try and think of amazing posts that are going to go viral, you know, every week. Just you know, you can just start by maybe posting about what you did at the weekend or posting a question and asking for people's advice because people love to give advice on LinkedIn. So that's always a good place to start. You know, what do people think about this? Or, you know, I'm unsure what's people advice, what, what are other people's advice about this? And that can be quite good because you're encouraging people to comment and respond to you. So, that can help people, I think, find their voice, just interacting with others and just kind of then starting to dabble in posting every now and then. And you you will get more confident over time. Um, it doesn't happen overnight. And I guess also you have to expect that people are going to disagree with you and, and people may say things that are not very nice. And as horrible as that is, it is kind of part of it and you have to have a little bit of a thick skin to put yourself out there on, on any social media and LinkedIn is included in that. So, you know, you can let it bother you, but don't let it stop you. And that's my phrase. I always say that to people, you know, we're human at the end of the day, so I'm sure it will bother you, but you just got to keep going regardless. You know, this is about you and your business and getting your brand out there. And that's the most important thing. How do you approach the use of different marketing channels beyond LinkedIn or is LinkedIn sort of where you focus most of your time? 
So LinkedIn at the moment, or I'd say for the last few years has been my main focus, but I do use Instagram for business and I do use YouTube. So YouTube is my priority and has been for sort of the last six months and will continue to be now going forwards. I sort of tend to use whichever platform works best. So in the early days, that was Facebook. Then I moved over to LinkedIn when kind of Facebook's organic reach just fell off a cliff. I moved over to LinkedIn where the organic reach is amazing. Now I'm moving out. Now I've kind of established LinkedIn and LinkedIn works very well for me without much effort now. I'm now concentrating on YouTube, which is building slowly. And, and you know, that's that's really exciting for us. So YouTube will have lots of benefits for, for me, for my personal brand, for Smooth as a company and my coaching. So is, there's lots of opportunity with, with the YouTube channel and I'm really excited to see kind of what we do with that. So I think I always say to people, you know, just go where your customers are. That's, you know, because people always ask me which platform they should be focusing on. And it's just wherever your customers are hanging out, go and hang out there, <laughs> hang out there every day. And, uh, you know, it's a slow burner, but if you do it every day for six months, 12 months, you know, you will definitely reap the rewards of that. Yeah, absolutely. Tracy, what what has stood out to you as unique about the accounting industry since joining Zerin? Do you have any tips on on how to stand out, whether it's LinkedIn or other channels? Yeah, I think um, the thing that stood out for me actually starting to work with um, accountants in this industry is there's some awful ter- stereotypes out there. Everyone thinks accountants are boring and you know just more interested in numbers than people. But what I'm seeing is far from that. Yes, there's a lot of very detailed, focused people, and that's absolutely essential to to be the experts in your field. But so much innovation and creativity, um, you know, the the fact that Jerry's embracing uh, LinkedIn and doing videos, and there's loads of other examples out there. So I think to stand out, first of all, it's understanding who who's your ideal customer. Um, so really understanding, are you marketing to you know a very small regional sort of geographical group of people and, and what what is it that um, is going to be important for them? And then make sure that you find ways to connect with them. Or is it, you know, you're, you're all about I don't know, being um, in the advisory space, so helping businesses take that next leap. Um, so again, you know, what are going to be the things that are important to them? I think by understanding your customers, you can then work out how to connect with them and how to make yourself relevant. Um, and you'll stand out if you're relevant. People love people and they buy people. So if you can demonstrate that you're on their side and you're there to support them and do the right thing by them, you know, you're going to be attractive. So I'd, I'd definitely start with the customer. Accountancy is definitely not um, sort of known as a sexy kind of industry, but obviously there's a few people that are, are really dialing up the energy there. So Jerry, is there anything um, that people need to be aware of when marketing specifically on accountancy to make it a bit more interesting? So I think that Video marketing is great. Obviously, I'm a massive advocate for that. Um, Like five years ago, when I started doing video marketing, there wasn't really any other accountants doing it at all. And it was quite a new thing. So I've seen a lot more over the last few years start to to do video marketing. And I think it's brilliant. Um, 
it's a great way of capturing people's attention and making it a bit more interesting what you're doing. And when I was doing the videos, the, the thing I wanted to do and I try and do in all my videos is just make them a little bit funny. And that way people will watch them, you know, and that, that it, people will remember them. It You don't just want to stand there and go, you know, director's loan accounts are where the director borrows money, you know, because people will just be like, oh. So it was how do I get across these kind of snippets of help and advice whilst making them funny and interesting and memorable and people wanting more? And that was always what I tried to do and, and still do now. So I think if you're, when you're designing your content, you need to be adding value. Every single thing I post on LinkedIn, it always adds some kind of value, whether it makes someone laugh, whether you know I'm offering a bit of advice, whether I'm posting a link to one of my videos, which again is just all about giving value and giving help and advice to either accountancy practice owners or clients, potential clients. So I think you need to be thinking, what value am I giving? And then make it interesting. So those are the two things I would say are really important about you know the content and, and how to make your content more interesting or more sexy. Nice. What about you, Tracy? Any tips? Um, I think, again really highlighting the people in your practice. Um, what are the, the things that go on in the practice that perhaps your clients don't see at first glance? Um, you know, are there other sort of backstories and things that you can bring to the fore? You know, some hobbies and um, extra things that the team get up to together at weekends, for example. So bringing in some of that personality that way. Um, and case studies as well. I think, um, you know, I've been really amazed at um, how how many accountants make huge differences to businesses by really getting into the numbers and interpreting that data and then working out, actually, if you did this, this and this, you know, you could be here. Um, and I don't know if many clients really understand the full breadth of services that their accountants can offer. So um, I think that's sexy. If you can show that you can uh, make their business more successful, then that's going to be super appealing. Nice. Thanks, Tracy. That's going to uh, help. Uh, not too many accountants will be looking at the, themselves in the mirror now wondering if they're sexy enough to be an accountant. So that's all good. Um, <laughs> so, Jerry, when starting out, um, how did you balance the need to dedicate more of your time on marketing with your day-to-day -day job as an advisor? And actually, how do you do that now? Because you obviously produce a ton of content, but you know, you've still got a business to run. So tell us a bit about how you manage that. Yeah, so in the early days, um, and it was just me, I really focused most of my time on marketing and I was a, a marketing manager, marketing director before anything else. So, you know, from the minute I woke up in the morning to the minute I went to bed, I was thinking about marketing, I was doing marketing. I used every single thing that happened throughout the day as an opportunity to do some kind of marketing. And that's really what drove, I think, the growth from day one, because I felt comfortable doing the accounts and you'll always find time to do the accounts. You'll always find time to do those. That's just a given. But if you don't focus on marketing and you don't bring those customers in, you're not going to have any accounts to do. So I think that new accountants and and people that want to grow their their firms really really need to focus all their energy on marketing more than anything else and you just find time to do the other things but where i think a lot of practices not go wrong but they kind of they don't focus on marketing at all and they just 
wonder why they're not getting clients or they're not getting enough clients or they rely on referrals from existing clients, which is great. It's always great to get referrals, um, but that's a slow way of growing. So if you want to grow quickly, you've got to make marketing kind of the forefront of your day. And now, um, now it's easy. It certainly wasn't easy then. That was hard to do that. I'm not going to sit here and say that was a breeze. That was really, really difficult. I didn't have much time, but I just went for it. So it's, it's very difficult to do that. But once you've got a good steady flow of customers coming in, then you can start to make changes to make it more manageable. So now, now it's easy for me because I only do the marketing for Smooth. Um, I don't do anything else. Um, obviously, I make any executive decisions and, you know, I'm involved with strategy, but I don't, you know, I probably work about half a day a week in Smooth, if that. So it pretty much runs itself now, which has been a conscious choice over the last couple of years to get it to that point where it doesn't need me. So it doesn't matter if I'm here or not here. It it, it runs really, really well um, regardless. So that's given me a lot of free time, which is why I've started coaching other accountants kind of how to do the same and why I've now got a lot of time to focus on YouTube and producing a lot more content. So I'm very much part time now with work and I have a lot of free time and more time with the children which is what I wanted that was the most important thing for me so yeah it's a it's a lot easier for me now because I only do the marketing but it was very difficult in the early days but worth it <laughs> yeah I bet so for accountants uh, and bookkeepers that aren't um, expert marketers or don't have a uh, background in marketing Tracy what kind of advice might you give um, other firms who are looking to start building out their marketing strategies I think, first of all, chat to your team and see if there's somebody in the team that's really interested in marketing, because if somebody's interested in it, they're more likely to want to learn and and develop those skills. So um, I'd find some people to help you in the team first. I wouldn't be afraid of um, getting some additional sort of, I don't know, freelance help or um, work with an agency as well. Sometimes that's a a good option. if there really isn't somebody within your business that can pick up the marketing side of things. But thinking about um, your team and picking up marketing, there's loads of great courses out there. I mean, the Chartered Institute of Marketing runs some really good day courses as well as long, longer ones that you can do in the evenings. And so does the Institute of Direct and Digital Marketing. Um, and then people like Google, they run free courses all the time. And um, like some of the marketing tech suppliers like Adobe and Salesforce, again, you can pick up a lot um, from there. But it's not all down to like learning just out of a book or online. Um, I think starting small, as we've been saying, and just getting out there and doing some stuff and see how it works and then try something else um, is probably a good way to start. Yeah, totally. And I guess it's um, absolutely fine to make mistakes. Um, But, uh, you know, some of them aren't always the greatest ones. But what are some of the mistakes that you've seen um, people make when marketing their firm, Tracy? I think um, the first mistake that I keep seeing is people put a lot of effort into acquiring new customers and they'll do discounts and special deals and they'll be very public about acquiring new customers and sometimes forget about their existing customer base. Um, And there's so much 
you know, there's so much potential in your existing customer base. So make sure there's a good amount of effort go, going there. And you can quite often share some of that stuff publicly as well. And you get into this great cycle of acquisition by MV where, you know, people think, oh, I want a bit of that. You know, those clients that are clients of Smooth, you know, they get a fantastic amount of service. Um, so, you know, it becomes um, a self perpetuating thing. So focus a bit more on your existing customers. I think some of the other things um, I've, I've seen a lot of people, um, again, sort of not putting in the effort into brands and building up sort of some of the sort of bigger things, really. What does your business stand for and what's the, the purpose behind it? And being clear on that. I think people dive straight into buy this now and, you know, think about dating. You'd never sort of on your first date, well, some people would, but you wouldn't necessarily go straight to that part of things um, until you've had a bit of courting. So think of building your brand as how you're courting your customers. My third one, I think... Um, sort of not being single-minded. Um, quite often people get into their marketing and they want to ram in 25 different things that they want to get across. So um, think about chunking things down, being very clear and single-minded and then doing another communication on another point and another one. Don't be afraid of over-communicating because um, it's very rare that you'll actually over-communicate things. It's better to break it down and be single-minded in each one. Nice. Jerry, how do you um, attract new clients and how do you balance your marketing with attracting new clients and maintaining the existing ones that you have? So generally, most of our clients come from my personal brand and what I've built up over the years. So I've been very, very um, focused on my personal brand. So I am definitely the face of smooth. It was natural in the early days because it was only me. <laughs> So it made sense that I was kind of marketing myself, but I've just continued to do that. And people buy into that because they want to work with me. And I've created a team that all have the uh, work ethic values that I had. And that's why they work for Smooth. So just touching on what Tracy said, you know, our company values are at the core of everything that we do. So actually establishing those company values was really important for us in terms of winning clients because we wanted to make sure we're all on the same page. What are we doing? What do we offer our clients? And then, you know, that follows through into our marketing. Our main focus is looking after our existing clients more so than getting new ones. Um, because, you know, they will grow your business for you. So, you know, we want to have happy customers um, more so than just getting new ones it's really unprofitable as well to have a high churn of customers that's not something that I would be interested in doing so we want to retain our clients we want to keep them happy look after them so they want additional services from us which most of our clients do which then obviously increases the bottom line and keeps all our clients happy so it's win-win so absolutely your focus should be looking after existing clients and making sure they're happy first and then obviously building on that and, and getting new clients that you can look after in exactly the same way. Yeah, that, that really resonates with us, Jerry. We're um, obviously with our accounting partner channel, 
in particular, building that community and supporting that community is, is so important to us. And I think that foundational brand building and, and our purpose and our mission really helps sort of uh, anchor that. So yeah, that, that definitely resonates. And what are some of the ways that you actually measure your return on your marketing investment, Jerry? Do you do that at all? Do you know what? We don't specifically measure it simply because we, we've grown so much from day one. So our growth has been like this every single year, every month of every year since we started, and it's it's just going to continue. So it's kind of like we know it works, so I don't need to know specifically, you know, what is working because my time is only spent on marketing, so I don't need to um, worry too much about where it's coming from. And also the reason we don't specifically measure it is because we always record where clients come from. So we know whether they come from our website or if they come from LinkedIn or they come from YouTube or whatever. Um, so we have that data, but because everything's working really well and it always has, I don't feel the need to really specifically measure it, if that makes sense. So I'm quite happy with how it, how we have a nice balance of where the clients are coming from. What about you, Tracy? I know you're you're pretty big on um, measuring <laughs> return on marketing investment. So, yeah, what, what's your advice there? I think um, it is quite tricky, actually. But I always try to think about what measures of success um, we want from our marketing spend right up front. So, when you're creating some campaigns, you know, how are we going to know if it works or not? Do we have a control group that we can compare it against or even looking at, okay, we did something similar last time, this time last year, so comparing over time. So I, I like to think about that first. Um, and then I think the other thing is to not just think about short term. Um, some of the activities that you're doing in marketing are building up over time. So, you know, are there ways that we could look at lead indicators and lag indicators? So um, what I mean by that, are there steps along the way that we could measure? So um, I like to talk about path to purchase. So that whole content marketing through the funnel, you've got your brand awareness, the consideration stage, um, right then into the conversion through to a sale. What are some of the things that you could look at all the way through? So starting with, you know, are you getting any likes on your LinkedIn post through to people downloading some content that you've shared? Um, and then, okay, did can you see then if that person's followed up with a phone call? You know, have they clicked on the Calendly link uh, to set an appointment up with you? So sort of looking at those small set steps before you actually get to the sale, um, I think are all important then in understanding, okay, well, that sale resulted from all of these things and it might have taken three months. It wasn't something that happens immediately. And then once somebody is a customer of yours looking at that path to value, so through, again, the different stages of that funnel, so the onboarding, you know, have they, again, engaged and, and sort of joined in some of the education and um, started playing around with some of the services you're offering and ultimately looking at that lifetime value. So, yeah, I think that that's the biggest thing, sort of whilst we want some immediate, immediate success and we want to see that our marketing um, pounds is spent well, don't forget that it actually takes a while. And I know that a lot of um, our accounting partners across the UK use NPS, so Net Promoter Score a lot, 
um, measuring sort of how likely people are to recommend you. And I think that's a really um, interesting thing to look at for a services business, um, especially in accountancy. And, and we obviously look at it really closely here at Zero as well. Have you ever looked into NPS measurement, Jerry? Um, no, we did an equivalent. So we had um, a survey that we would send out to clients. Um, we did it for a while and got some really good data from it. Um, but we did find that I think it works on a bigger scale if you've got thousands or hundreds of thousands of customers. Um, but obviously, if you've only got a few, then it's and most people don't actually complete them. <laughs> so it's not it's not that easy. It's better to kind of try and get one to one feedback from clients if you can, you know, while you're speaking to them or while you're emailing them or whatever. Um, so for the smaller practices, I'm not sure that type of thing would get them a lot of data. Uh, that's kind of why we stopped doing it really because we weren't getting a huge amount from it. But it was it was useful for the time that we did it for and we did get some good feedback, but it got to the point where we were like, actually, we're not really getting much from this. But I think feedback from customers is so important. So, you know, and, and actually negative feedback is the most important because most people won't give you that feedback and they'll just leave. So we want to make sure that our customers, even if they're being quiet, are happy. Um, you know, it's easy to get Google five-star Google reviews and think that you're amazing and doing everything great, but naturally, sometimes things are going to go wrong. And we would rather know about that so we can do something about it and fix it. Yeah, no, I think that's spot on is like capturing that feedback and making sure that, you know, whatever you're doing, if you're doing things well, you dial that up for everybody else. And if you're doing things bad, you sort of work on that. And that's really going to affect your existing customers and then, you know, the impact on uh, finding new customers as well. So yeah, absolutely. Feedback is, is super important. What do you think, Tracy? Yeah, I think if I think back to when I worked in the agencies, we used to do annual account reviews with our clients and um, that would cover like all aspects, you know, was was the work, good quality work, as well as the, the service side of things. And um, getting that feedback was absolutely sort of vital in them making sure that what we did going forward addressed the customer needs. Um, but also like, just opening up the conversation. So sort of making it part of your general chat with clients as well. You know, how's things going? Open, lots of open-ended questions to really um, get their help. Um, but I think for me, one of the most important things is if you are ever thinking about diversifying or introducing new products and services, do that with your clients. You know, sort of co-create things rather than Da-da, here's, here's that great shiny thing that I've just created. What do you think? Uh, try and get your feedback to help you actually create those new products and services, I think would be um, something I'd encourage you to do as well. Nice. I'm just going to um, step back to something that we talked about earlier, just around, um, you know, when you, when you bring on extra resource to support with your marketing. And do you have extra resource uh, aside from yourself, Jerry, in, in your team that supports you with marketing or is it very much just you? So it's very much me from a kind of scripting and kind of content perspective, what's going to be included. And all of my LinkedIn is is me and Instagram. The business accounts, so the business Instagram and the business LinkedIn and things are now run by Luke, who is our head of digital media. So Luke came on board about 18 months ago. 
um, yeah, became an employee of Smooth and he does all of the filming, editing um, and kind of content that we put out. He's the he's the clever one behind it that makes it all look, uh, look and sound great. So yeah, from a what I include and all writing the scripts of the videos and all that kind of stuff, that's all 100% me. I've never had any external help with any of that. But the technical side of it, actually making the videos and things is, yeah, is done by Luke. So, and what was the trigger for, for thinking, actually, I need to bring in some external support? Because um, I was having, I was using an external company to produce videos back when I started about five years ago. So I was outsourcing it. So I was in a position where I had an opportunity to bring Luke on board and acquire the studio that we have now that I'm sat in. And um, I just thought, you know what, I'll just have it in-house. It'd be so much easier. I can produce more content and it's much more cost effective to have someone working for me full time that I can rely on to, to keep that momentum with the content rather than relying on an external company. And it's just been brilliant. It's, you know, I've, I've, there's so much that we're able to do now that we couldn't do before when we were relying on external help. And it's, it, yeah, like I said, it's much more cost effective to, to do it in-house. And it's led to us now doing external work for third parties. So we do video production and photography and things for, for other external customers now because we've got all of the resources to do that. So, which is great. Um, Tracy, you've had a lot of experience building teams, uh, particularly in marketing. So what kind of advice would you give to uh, accounting firms who are thinking about building a sort of marketing capability within their team? I usually start by thinking about what what are the capabilities I need in the team? You know, are there some specialist skills that we need to bring in? So as Jerry said, you know, digital marketing, for example, somebody that knows exactly how to do all the search engine optimization and thing is quite quite a technical and, and specific task, but also mix that with somebody that's um, a good generalist. So, you know, they're able to sort of stretch. Um, I talk a bit about T-shaping. So somebody that's got that very sort of detailed knowledge in one specific area, but they're also good at stretching into other things. So you might have a digital marketer that's also quite good at brand building or somebody that's really good at um, perhaps the customer side of things as well. So people that are flexible, I think, would be something um, when you're starting so that you don't have everyone just stuck in the niche. So start with the skills, look look for somebody um, that's able to flex. Um, and then really just, again, what is it that your team needs from a marketing point of view? So um, build those teams, but the, the most important thing is hiring for fit. So making sure anyone you bring into the business is aligned with you and your company values um, is a great starting point. How do you uh, decide who to bring on board on your team, Jerry? That is a good question. Do you know what is hard? And every accountant I speak to says the same thing, that recruiting is the hardest thing. It absolutely is. Um, and I've made some pretty bad decisions in the past. I feel like I've learned from those. So now um, we go through a two-stage two interview process. So I will interview the person first to, feel, to, to get a feel for whether they'll fit with the team. Do I like them? Do they seem like a friendly person? 
that would fit with our company values, but also fit with the existing team that I have that I'm very protective over because they're all amazing. So I I don't want someone coming in that's going to kind of upset that. So that's the first stage. And if I feel like they would fit really well with the team, then they'll go on to more of a technical interview with one of the senior managers um, to decide if, you know, ability wise, they're the right person for us or, you know, kind of do they have the skills that we need so that's really how we um, recruit I obviously make the use make the best use of social media to kind of reach out because it's so hard to find people and um, but I think no matter what you do you're never a hundred percent no and that's kind of you know it's it's hard to accept but it's true because I get some of my coaching clients going, but how do you know if they're going to be right? Because I thought they were right and they weren't. And I'm like, you don't. <laughs> you just, all you can do is give it your best, you know, your best chance of, um, and that's why we do the two-stage interview, best chance of getting the right person. What actually happens, you know, is is what it will be. Um, you know, we are we're very honest about the role and I think that's really important because don't try and fluff it up to make it seem like this wonderful, amazing thing, opportunity. I'm sure it is a great opportunity. Just be very real about it. You know, everybody I interview, I let them know it's really, really busy. It's it's a, it's going to be a really busy role. We're going to be under pressure. So I don't want anyone coming in thinking it's going to be, you know, a breeze because it won't be. It's hard. It's absolutely hard working smooth. So I don't try and dress it up. So I would say to anyone trying to get the best people, be as honest as you absolutely can be and as transparent as you can be about what the role is going to be so that they know what they're coming into and there's less chance of people going, oh, this is this is not what I expected and then leaving or, or whatever. So yeah, it's a bit of a gamble, but you just got to do your best really. It's a hard market. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's easy to underestimate the importance of like your team and having the right people, even on your marketing, because they're they're the ones that are sort of speaking to your clients and out there, um, sort of in the in the public eye, having conversations with people. So yeah, it's really important having those right people on board. But yeah, we definitely yeah. hear a lot from uh, the accountancy industry, and you know, especially at the moment, the struggles that people are having with recruitment. And yeah. I suppose finding finding the right people in marketing, let alone accounting, is is tricky business. So. Yeah. Definitely empathise with that. So I'm going to uh, say five different things. And you say the first thing that comes to your mind, Jerry. We'll start with you. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so number one, TikTok. Fun. Tracy, what about you? TikTok. Addictive. Tax. Hard. Digital. Accounting. Rewarding. Growth. Community. Kindness. Love. Oh. <laughs> Client. Important. Service. Nice. I think that one could have gone either way. I'm impressed. <laughs> How did I do? <laughs> the pressure. I mean, a lot a lot safer than I was expecting, actually. I thought you would uh, throw, some, <laughs> throw some rogue responses out there. <laughs> All right, um, Jerry. If you weren't an accountant, what would you be? Mm-hmm. I would probably have a beauty business. I've always said that I love 
um, kind of makeup, aesthetics, you know, hair and beauty, all that kind of stuff. Um, although I'm not very good at it. I just, I really love it all. So I'd love to do that. I think it would probably be more of a hobby business than actually making me lots of money. So, um, but that's, yeah, I'd love to do something like that just on the side and, and just have like my own beauty business and, and see what I could do with it. That would be really fun. I'd love that. Yeah, that does sound fun. What about you, Tracy? What would you do if you weren't in marketing? If I wasn't in marketing, I would have loved to have been a GP. Um, I think, you know, I'm fascinated by the human body and all the different things that could go wrong. Um, And also the fact that it's a job that you're definitely helping people. So, um, yeah, I think I think being a GP would be quite good. Another very noble choice, Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not so noble if they're throwing up all over you or something. But <laughs> alrighty. So, Jerry, what mm. do people think accountants are like? Like dinosaurs with abacuses and quills in ink. <laughs> um, stereotypical kind of suit and tie. Um, only see them once a year boring um i think people think that they are a little bit scary to talk to because they won't understand anything they say yeah i think that's what most people think accountants like (laughs) i mean we've got we've got some work to do i think um yeah (laughs) you probably when i was at college i I told my tutors i wanted to be an accountant and they were like no please don't be an accountant jerry they were like going to marketing do something like that i was like no i want to be an accountant that's what i want to do and that's it but they just and that's because of how they thought accountants were which is just crazy because all the accountants i know are nothing like that yeah what are they actually like they're fun and you know creative and problem solvers and you know driven kind of they're just yeah all the accounts I know are just really fun, really clever people um, with loads to offer, loads to offer their clients and, you know, work really, really well with their clients on a regular basis. So, yeah, I know, obviously, I know a lot of the kind of more old school ones as well. But, you know, the way that they have been or are as accountants was what people wanted, I think previously and I think the industry has just massively changed with making tax digital and all the cloud accounting and everything so the new generation of accountants I think are not like that because that's not what the industry is like not what the industry demands and not what clients need anymore but the old more old-fashioned accountants there was a place there absolutely was a place for them for the last 30 40 years um and and that's why they did well out of it so I think it's just a just a change in times you know, moving with the times, that's all it is. Yeah, I think you're spot on. And what's your perception of, of accountancy in your last sort of 18 months being here at zero? Tracy, was it was it what you expected? It's not. It's definitely not what I expected. So um, I think sort of really seeing the personality shine and come through, uh, it's, just, it's just so unfair that anyone would think that accountants are boring. Um, because they're not. And uh, so I think, you know, Jerry is doing a great job in this space and there's a few others. And 
I think we need to do more and more to elevate the, the, the role that you play because I think young people coming into the industry, if they can see the amazing work that you do to um, help small businesses survive and thrive, um, you know, surely more of them would want to be part of that. Awesome, yeah, and I think that's a really uh, great challenge for us all to have and a, and a nice nice way to end today's podcast, I think. So thank you so much, Jerry, for coming on on today and thank you, Tracy. Um, it was really great chatting to you both. Thanks for having thank me. You've been listening to Beyond Numbers, brought to you by Zero, produced by Birdline Media. If you heard something that caught your attention, share the episode with your colleagues so they can listen too. Thanks for listening. 